yes, friends, on a Monday, it's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where, of course, we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, covering the Brooklyn Nets, almost said the New York Nets. Maybe. Eventually, they'll take over the city. But for now, just the Brooklyn Nets We're on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Norrie, and over there, the season generational ticket holder for Big Blue, Mr. Andy Mackowitz, healthy, wealthy, and wise on a beautiful Monday. What a great Monday we have. This week is just perfect. You you have, you have for any golf fans out there, you got the players championship finishing up today. So you get a little bonus golf coverage. Then Thursday, you got St. Patrick's day and March madness bleeding into, into, you know, a Friday where I plan to be watching quite a bit of college basketball myself, Adam. There you go, sir. He's big into the college hoops. We all know that if you're a fan of OGP live, by the way, over on YouTube for this one, because as we know, we're going to be diving in on the official NFL, the, the legal tampering. Why not just have Freedency start today? Why does it have to be this thing where everyone gets to F around a little bit in the waters and make some deals, something that the Giants don't typically actually get involved in? They usually wait until officially free agency begins to start to make all their transactions. Maybe things will look a little bit different underneath uh, Joe Shane for the New York football Giants going forward. But as it does kick off, there's a couple of notes around the Giants on the roster here, but we'd be remiss if we didn't at least throw a line out there and just a gentleman's note. Tom Brady lasted 40 days in retirement before deciding he's back, baby. Why even bother? Why? It just seems like I'm, I'm going to go personal here. It just seems hurtful to the family, doesn't it? Doesn't it just feel like it lasted 40 days of his commitment to his wife and children before he went on the other side of it. I talked to Ronaldo the other day and I'm thinking I still got some juice left in the tank. You know, it's funny. Everyone has their speculation as to why the whole Tom Brady thing went down the way that it did. My simple answer is his wife was like, I want you home. You said that we were going to do like one or two years in Tampa. It's been two. Can we end this? And he's like, fine. And then like weeks and weeks of being at home, she's like, why are you so sad? You're so miserable. Like go play football. If that's what you really want to do. And he's like, I'm back baby. Like that's, I, I honestly think it was on the home front. Basically like he shut it down to be with his family. And then his family was like, you're, you're so miserable, not playing football. Go play football. I, you're probably right by the way. Cause it happens with like all these guys. They always say, right. The, the, the NFL players are athletes. Like you die two deaths, the, the death, real death that we all suffer at the end of our lives, but also the death of your sports career where you are kind of lost. Now, Tom Brady happens to be a bit older than most athletes when they retire, but at 45, you go, well, this is all I've been doing for 20 plus years. Like what, what, what am I, what is this about? He has a lot of other things going on, including TV 12. And he had some type of movie or documentary deal that he got into as well. Regardless, I think he looked across the landscape and said, so Russell Wilson, no longer in the NFC. Hmm. Maybe I want to get my toe back into those waters there where the NFC still feels like a pretty wide open competition among some of those top teams. We'll see how it plays out for him. Over on the New York football Giants side of things then, though, the uh, most recent news is that CJ Board is going to be coming back to the New York football Giants uh, in some contract. We don't know what it looks like yet. We'll, we'll dive into the free agency class and what that could mean, but it feels like in conjunction with the bigger move, we'll talk about Blake Martinez as well, that Joe Shane and the new regime are very willing to look at who's in house, understand what the short and long-term goals are for this franchise and be, be willing to evaluate players in the building and say, it's a heck of a lot easier to retain players that have already been here than it is, especially with cap restrictions, go out into the market and try to bring in multiple players at multiple positions. Yeah, uh, the CJ board signing also was multifaceted, right? He can, you know, uh, 
moonlight as a wide receiver in, in some capacity, but he's really a good special teams player as well. So yeah. Giants, you know, retaining people uh, on cheap asset deals, we presume that TJ Board's going to be just above the veteran minimum, whatever that'll end up being. But yeah, J- Joe Shane, I think people had a misconception that like when he was coming in, he was just going to clean house and everybody was going to be gone. Like there are still pieces on this roster that the Giants want to build around. Like obviously Andrew Thomas comes comes to mind at left tackle, but but also we're in a very difficult cap situation right now because of all of the mistakes of Dave Gettleman. So you need to be able to retain talent that has a knowledge of, of what's going on in the building that has uh, you know some type of rapport with, with Daniel Jones. So we're going to be seeing the Giants make fringe moves like they did with CJ Board all across his roster. Yeah, that's what you have to assume. And then likewise for free agency, as we keep our eye on that, right? I, I We don't anticipate enormous splash splash decisions getting made here. Uh, now, a part of it, though, as they enter into free agency is another player in Blake Martinez. He's going to stay with the team. He gets reduced down. So we'll actually lump in the Sterling Shepard just because some clarification came out on both of their contracts. It looks like they're both essentially going to get brought down to a $2.5 million base salary. They're going to be loaded up with incentives. They can get them a little bit over $5 million. Probably going to be a lot of, are you on the field and playing? How many reps are you getting there? Were you surprised? Because I, I really think, again, this feeds into a, a narrative that was established by Joe Shane. But were you surprised that the Giants kept Blake Martinez, specifically when we think about Wink Martindale and the system and, and what you need at the linebacker spot? Surprised that they kept Blake Martinez? Surprised that Martinez took the big pay cut to stay here? And is that probably more indicative that he's closer to injury concern land with Sterling Shepard than he maybe is to being one step away from full health. I think there's a lot of things that go into this Blake Martinez um, resigning restructure with the giants. I'll I'll do it from the Giants side first. The the first thing to think about for the giants is Blake Martinez. If you were going to outright release him was going to have about an eight and a half million dollar dead cap hit, right? With all the restructuring and all the incentives, the giants are are basically freeing up uh, just about, I think it was like 8 million total in, in terms of what he was owed next year. Basically the difference, the giants being able to save eight and a half million, they're now being able to, to save 6 million. So Adam, really from the giants perspective, it's two and a half million dollars to be able to keep Blake Martinez in the room, as opposed to releasing him and having to sign someone else yeah. else in his place. So when you think about it, the question for the giants and, and giant fans is, would you rather have Blake Martinez for two and a half million dollars or go release him and try to find someone that can make up for the amount of ground that Blake Martinez can cover? And while and while I I think that he could still contribute on the field for the Giants, remember, I think we always looked at him as being like 40 years old. He's only 27. You know, he's still young in his career. Um, but I think the most important piece is avoiding the dead cap hit, bringing down his cap hit number, freeing up space for free agency, and just saying, even if you do nothing for us, it only costs us $2.5 million, right? Like, that's the most important piece. You don't want to, it's like, it's almost like it's keeping active dead cap uh, on the roster, right? And then this way, in one offseason, you can turn around and make different moves and see how free agency goes and see how the draft goes and then worry about these decisions later, including maybe Blake Martinez is an attractive option for a system that he fits better in come trade deadline you know, in, in season after he gets on the field healthy and shows that he can still be productive. Yeah, so uh, to your point, $2.5 million, can you get a better linebacker when healthy than Blake Martinez? I don't think you can, and that's the decision the Giants made. From from Blake's side of things, it's interesting. You know, Obviously, he's coming off an injury, so he needs to rehab himself, get him back into game-playing shape. 
what better place to do that than in New York, where you have all the trainers and medical staff that have been with you for the last six to nine months. Mm -hmm. Um, The other piece of it, and we won't go too far in depth, but you saw Blake Martinez posting, um, you know, adoration for his family on, on Instagram saying he's a changed man. You cut, you kind of think maybe he's saying, I don't want to uproot my life and uproot my family and go cross country all over again. Like when I'm really trying to just settle down and, and recover from this injury and really get like my personal life in order. Right. Or uproot myself and and not have my family well, come with me across country to somewhere else. Right. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that per, the personal side of things is something we don't like to talk about just because, you know, we'll, we'll leave, we'll leave it off the field, but it certainly I think came into play here in terms of whether Blake Martinez was going to take such a drastic pay cut to stay with the giants. Yeah. hundred percent. Let's also now just touch quickly on Saquon Barkley before we get into a lot of offensive linemen. Uh, we mentioned John Feliciano on the last episode from the Buffalo Bills. Daryl uh, Williams was also let go from Buffalo as well, so obviously ties there. I want to talk a little bit about the line, but Saquon Barkley, now again, I, I was wrong on Blake Martinez, I think, and I, I don't know where you had stood on it, but in a lot of ways I thought, oh, well, this is a cut candidate because the ratio I actually think was, it's like they would have taken five and a half dead and eight million in cap room if they'd straight cut him. Now, again, I kept looking at it through the prism of, that's really a net three million, right? You can't look at it as well. You have eight million this year. There's still money you have to pay off. So the ratio was like right on the edge of being two to one, good money versus bad. Where I thought maybe they would go that way. They ended up keeping him. Saquon Barkley, however, though now all of a sudden the conversations are heating back up here about the Giants' willingness to move him, just looking for the right opportunity. Some speculation in house about where John Mara stands on it versus where the new regime stands on it. And so far, it looks like. New regime Joe Shane is winning those conversations. I'm not going to call them arguments. He's winning those conversations uh, with ownership. Do you think that all of this was just about, again, Giants said we want a first rounder for Saquon? Well, we all know you're not going to get a first rounder. You hear the league say, eh, it looks like a yeah, fourth rounder. Well, we all know people are willing, more than willing to give up something beyond a fourth rounder, right? It, it feels like it's the, the, the seller and the market saying, well, let's just kind of tiptoe our way to what will be, be reasonable. And inside of Barkley, it's $7.2 million of free cap space that they can that they can get on the books here. They don't have to use it for free agency. This can be about what you do after the free agency period, after the draft period, having the money allocated for your draft pick. So there's always going to be a function to moving him. Are you surprised that it's heated back up? Well, so Dan Duggan uh, does some really good reporting on the Giants. He actually, in in one of his columns, he talked about how Joe Shane actually made a miscalculation in letting the public know exactly how much cap space he wanted to free up going into free agency. And I thought it was fascinating, Adam, because right now everyone, so everyone goes, so Saquon Barkley. Yeah, so so like <laughs> they're they're going under the same issue with James Bradbury right now, right? They're they're basically saying. We know you want to free up space. The two places that come to mind are James Bradbury and Saquon Barkley. And it's it's no secret that they're not getting the feedback from other teams that they had hoped for in terms of what yep. that market value is. But part of that is because they know that Joe Shane wants to free up the cap space, so they're offering him less. They're, they're kind of waiting this out with him to say, well, we know you're going to have to trade one of these players. We'll offer you XYZ for it. And so the Giants are, are a little bit behind the eight ball because – this, this legal tampering, this negotiation period has started. The Giants haven't been able to move Bradbury and, and save the $12, $12 million in cap space. They haven't been able to get what they want for Saquon Barkley, which is another $7, 7500000 million. Right there, that's another $20 million that the, that the Giants could free up to go after a lot of these different offensive linemen or yeah. linebackers or edge rushers that are out here on the market, Adam. 
and, and it's an interesting situation for the Giants. They want to free up cap space, but you don't want to give away quality players for nothing. Yeah, and I'll be very curious to see. So on the Saquon Barkley piece, the first thing I think about, too, is, again, how does free agency play out? What what teams pick up a guy on the market? There's going to be some players available. John Connor out of Arizona. Arizona has actually come up as maybe being a landing spot, potentially, for Saquon Barkley to give another dangerous weapon to add to Kyler Murray. And then you know that you have Nuke on the outside. So uh, And they just re-signed Ertz as well at the tight end position. Um, so he looks like a guy that, to me, very easy if I'm the Giants to say, if you don't necessarily want to give us a third rounder this year, we could also take a third rounder next year, right? Like, I think sometimes we're talking a little bit short-sighted around, not us, but just in general. You get short-sighted of, what can we get this year? How can we add to everything that we need? Remember, though, everyone understands this is going to be a multi-year process. So if I can get a better value on a third-round pick next season, that can be an option on the table for him, still clears the cap money, et cetera. Now, on James Bradbury's side of things, it's it's it, this is to me is tricky. And I do look at, at Blake Martinez in this kind of category of first and foremost, doesn't fit the system, right? Doesn't fit the system that Wink Martindale wants to run. Also, really high price tag. Now, in Blake's situation, injury, I think, helps to facilitate what you want to accomplish there. And on Bradbury's side of things, it it's it's hard, man, because he's still talented. And he still played well last season. And he's only a couple of years away from being an elite player in the league. And I wonder how Joe Shane looks at that and says, and probably goes to Wink Martindale and asks the question, can we survive with him to start the season potentially? Because unlike Saquon Barkley, where I think last year, the contract, free money when you move him, draft asset, whatever it may be, I think you can sacrifice and say, we'll take whatever we can get for him at a certain point. James Bradbury, though, you could keep him on this roster, let his value increase to start the year, and then look to trade him before the deadline. I wonder how delicate that balance is, knowing that the Giants want to free up money, obviously, entering the free agency period. And hit us real quick with the uh, note on Connor, who is off the free agent market, or uh, forgot that he went back. Yeah, well, it's just uh, breaking news of the last like 20 minutes is James Conner just re-signed with the Cardinals, uh, three-year deal. They actually let Chase Edmonds go, who just signed a, a two-year agreement with the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, we're well, talking about... A candidate off the market for the Giants and a trade partner, yeah. That's exactly Here. what I was going to say is, you know, you talked about Arizona, Miami was clearly mentioned. Both of them just signed their potentially start, starting running backs. The market for Saquon Barkley's slowly shrinking. But Adam... Here's, here's a question. Shrinking I, and making other teams desperate, though, too, right? If you didn't get one of those guys, it may be a small, this is a, just real quick, a smaller but potentially more desperate market. And now this is where phase two becomes. If you don't see some other teams, say the Buffalo Bills, we, I, I speculated Kansas City Chiefs maybe want to add him. If they don't get a guy in free agency, now you move to the draft, and you this is where the Giants are in that delicate spot of, we'll take a fourth right now because we don't want to see you get to the fourth round and maybe find a rookie running back. Continue. Well, I mean, with Tom Brady coming back, uh, Leonard Fournette they yep. said farewell in an Instagram post. He deleted it to, to the city of Tampa. Who knows if Leonard Fournette's not back, Ronald Jones is a free agent. Talk, talk about what, what Saquon Barkley could do with, with, with Tom Brady. That that's a scary thought. You know, yes, maybe sir. he made some, some, some requests to the Glazers to say, this is what I want. But Adam, I have a question for you about, about James Bradbury. Cause I was thinking about this. So let's just say, for argument's sake, the Giants could get a fourth rounder for James Bradbury, yep. and they free up about $12, $12.5 million in cap space. Would you rather the Giants have James Bradbury going into this draft season, or door number two is $12 million in cap space to sign 
a left, uh, a right tackle or a guard and a fourth round pick. So basically it's, do you want James Bradbury or do you want a fourth round pick and money to sign one of these veteran offensive tackles that's on the board? Yeah, well, this will go back to, so we had talked a little bit about offensive linemen. Uh, we talked about Bozeman from the Ravens, and he's in this $10 million window, potentially, probably around there in the free agency market at center. So that that's that's what we're talking about. You pick at five and you pick at seven. If you move Bradbury, and we talk about how, how one domino falls and creates this ripple effect, if you trade him and you create the cap space, now you feel like Sauce Gardner is a real option there at, at five or seven for you in the draft. And then if you go out and get Bozeman, you take off one additional need in the draft class. And this is where you'd say, we took a, a Quanu fell to us at five. Fantastic. We'll take him. We'll take Sauce Gardner at seven. Now we've already added two offensive linemen to go along with Andrew Thomas. And all of a sudden, and replace James Bradbury, you've opened up your board from there on, going the second round and later to say, we want to add pieces. We want to add talent. But we don't feel like we're, we're pigeonholed into needing to do one of these things. And that actually, well, first, let me say, I probably would be on board with it. Again, it comes down to this dead cap number. And, and what does that mean for Joe Shane? My curious, I'll, I'll volley one back to you. And this was, would you still take, if you had, if you had uh, James Bradbury on this roster entering the season, would you still draft sauce Gardner at the top of the draft? Because this is the question that I wondered, James Bradbury, if you stay with the team and you're on this team to start the year, one of two options, either one, we can trade you before the deadline and you'll be an attractive option. Obviously, maybe we bring down your cap number a little bit to help us in the short term. The other one is you're this veteran presence ahead of Sauce Gardner. Like, is there a world where James Bradbury could be on this team for the entire season as a veteran presence to help Sauce Gardner and not put, even though you want him right in there playing, starting for you, but just not put this pressure on a young player of, what are a couple little things we want to work on as your young career is getting started? You know what? We'll throw Bradbury out for some of those hard reps. Let him take some of the lumps instead of maybe hurting the development of a young player. Yeah. So honestly, I'm, I'm against that idea for the giants and only because we start talking about capital, right? Assets. Like where are we going to allocate capital in certain positions? Sure. We're already paying a Jackson, 13, $14 million. That's James right. Bradbury has the $21 million cap hit sure. this year. We have drafted Aaron Robinson, who is expected to, to be a starting level cornerback in this league. You have Rodarius Williams, who's coming off an injury, but the length and athleticism you like, you want to see more of him. You do have Darnay Holmes still on this roster. And then to, to add another draft asset as high as five or seven for, for a cornerback, to me, would be malpractice. When the problem that the Giants have is their positions of need are the most expensive ones to fill in free agency. Edge rushers... The, uh, Emmanuel, it's only it's only the cornerstones of a franchise that's all that they lack that's all they need to go get on the market like, like yes offensive line potentially quarterback edge rusher like these Emmanuel Agba just got 65 million dollars from the sure. Miami Dolphins it was just just announced like you know guys 28 years old he had he had 10 sacks a season it costs so much money to get edge rushers it costs so much money to get offensive tackles the Giants can't quadruple down on, on draft capital, drafting a cornerback, when they clearly need to draft an edge rusher, an offensive lineman, like far and away more, more important than adding another cornerback to the room if Bradbury stays. Sure. No, 100%. Let's talk a little bit then about the offensive line free agency. We mentioned John Feliciano. We mentioned now Daryl Williams being available on the market. We talked about Bozeman the other day. We talked about a handful of guys. And, and a lot of these, some of them are – 
Now you're talking about maybe Austin Corbett, uh, obviously over from the championship, LA Rams. What do you, you know, what do you think? Let's start here. The value of connection with Buffalo Bills players like Daryl Williams, like John Feliciano. What is the value of that connection there? And what is the balancing act for Joe Shane for Brian Dable of saying, yes, we know these guys, but we need to be bringing them in at the right price point. Un- understanding, honest assessment of where their value is and how good they can be for us. Because it's one thing to bring in veteran guys that are experienced and are upgrades over what the current roster looks like and a whole different conversation around if it actually makes you a solid, consistent, reliable offensive line. And I do think there's a little bit of a balancing act there when you talk about a couple of these names we've heard. Well, it's it's also interesting because Joe Shane was part of the team that signed these offensive linemen from Buffalo and yeah. gave them a money as recently as 12 to 18 months ago. Like, so he was, was part, he was in the room when it happened, right. To, to, to basically uh, get all of these different draft signings to, sure. to, for four five, $7 million. You look at uh, the names you mentioned, Feliciano being one, Daryl Williams being another. The nice thing is Joe Shane can say, remember I signed you. I like you that much. I want you to be here in the building. You had success underneath like the, our plan. And Dable can say the same thing. Like we had a great offense. Our offense was successful because of you two. Now, for, for me, if they decide not Remember to go how I basically team, already paid you once, so you don't need a lot of money from us now. Right, but it, it, again, if if the Giants don't make an offer to either of these players, that pretty much tells you exactly what Dayball and Shane think of sure. them because you would think if they have continuity in the building and they know what, what kind of game plan Dayball wants to put out there, they're a perfect plug-and-play. Like, hey, you, you're a veteran. You know my system. You can come here for $5 million on the open market – and you'll be an immediate starter. You won't have to learn a whole new system. You can stay in the state of New York, basically. Like you don't have to move your family that far. There's a lot of positives to being able to sign these guys. But Adam, it's more than that. The Giants have to sign some type of veteran offensive lineman because you can't go into the draft with just Andrew Thomas. Like it's such a glaring need of offensive line right now that you basically would be tele telegraphing exactly what you need to do with the first couple picks in the draft. And it'll be interesting too, because you go into the draft and you're right. I, I think at least one in free agency makes a lot of sense. So again, we talked about it, like either one plug and play starter that you know is legit, like a, let's say a Bozeman at center, spend $10 million, $12 million, lock them in. Or maybe it is Feliciano and, and Williams where you go, these are two guys that may not be here in two years, but they'll be here now, and they at least offer us some stability. Because to your point, I really, when you look inside the draft class, we talked about it before, and I actually see it over in the uh, in the live comments here saying about, are you signing these players? Are you looking at a Trevor Penning potentially? Are you looking at a cross, right? For me, I keep going into it and saying, if it's Neil, if it's Aquanu, fantastic. If not, I take a little bit of a step back, and then we say, well, do you trade back into the middle? Are you going to see a guy like Linderbaum be there for you at center if you don't if you don't address that in free agency? A guy like Zion Johnson, who's come up from the second round and really entrenched himself in the first. Kenyon Green, who didn't look so good at the at the scouting combine. So like all these little pieces are moving around there. But to your point, it's still going to put you in a in a need versus value and talent standpoint. But listen, inevitably there's going to be positions for the Giants that they are in that, but you don't want it to be the most crucial ones on the roster. The other thing then that I want to talk about was as we look at the market for Mitchell Trubisky, does it indicate something to us around how the Giants really feel about Daniel Jones going into this season? It's been reported 
that Mitchell Trubisky could be looking even closer to 16 million a year on the open market. And it brings up the question. There's a lot of them, Marcus Mariota's, et cetera. Tyrod Taylor has been someone who's getting a little bit of low level traction to the giants. Potentially. Would you just as soon bring in a Tyrod Taylor? This, is, this feels like a, a layup question for you. Cause I know the answer. Would you just as soon bring in Tyrod Taylor as opposed to invest in Mitchell Trubisky? And do you think obviously if the giants invest in Mitchell Trubisky, that it's a very clear indication about what their intentions are with Daniel Jones. I mean, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor for $3 million or Mitch Trubisky for $16 million. Like, geez, like, talk about uh, a, a disparity. Now, listen, the, the Giants have to make a decision on how they feel about Daniel Jones. Do they want to bring in legitimate competition to see if they can have someone beat him out to be the starting quarterback? Or are the Giants looking to bring in a competent, veteran backup where if yep. Daniel Jones you know, pulls his hamstring or has, has a, an arm injury or something can come in and win you a game or keep you competitive in a couple of games in a bunch. Like I think Tyrod Taylor is a better fit overall for the giants based on his price point, his veteran leadership. And the fact that yes, if, if Daniel Jones goes down for a game or two, I have faith that Tyrod Taylor can keep the, the shit moving and maybe even win a game. I don't think he's the guy that goes, you know, 11 and six as your starting quarterback. But if it's one game against the Washington commanders at home, like Tyrod Taylor can win that game. Oh, no, hundred percent. I listen, we know, go back a couple of seasons, listen to the podcast. I was a fan of bringing him in after the Eli Manning era was ending and the uncertainty around what they were going to do a quarterback, even drafting Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor is just a veteran guy. He's had a lot of obviously unfortunate injury situations, but he, he's a veteran quarterback that, you know, can run the system effectively for you if you need him to. Um, he's a he, he won't take the big risks, but he also won't make the big mistakes. The, the Just real quick on that, though. Would you rather Tyrod Taylor because he can fill in in a pinch or because you don't because you still want it to be Daniel Jones? And therefore, if you spend big money on Mitchell Trubisky, it tells you that it's over for Daniel Jones. For, for me, it's just reallocation of capital assets, right? Like Daniel Jones is still making $8 million this year. And then Mitch Trubisky coming in would be another 15 million. Say you've got 23 million locked up on the quarterback room when you don't even know if either of them is going to be your starter long-term. Like to me, it's just repurposing assets that $13 million could go towards that offensive tackle that we just talked about. It could go towards signing uh, uh, an edge rusher in free agency. It could go towards a whole host of things. It almost pays for the entire draft class. Yeah, a, corner, like, a cornerback that fits Wink Martindale's system, right? Yeah, right. A, lot, a lot of different things, yeah. It, if you told me, would I rather have Mitch Trubisky or Bozeman and a swing tackle? Give me Bozeman yeah. and the swing tackle, right? Like, the, well, I don't think the difference between Daniel Jones and Mitch Trubisky is enough to put that much money in there. I don't think Mitch Trubisky gets you five more wins than Daniel Jones does next year. I'd rather reallocate the the assets to a, a place that really there, there's a big upgrade or a need. No, and that's the best case for that, I think, um, is that when you look at the Giants' needs in the short and the long term, like even if I sit here right, to, right, right now today and say, I don't think Daniel Jones is the future. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to want to sign to $20-plus million next year. You're not going to pick up the fifth-year option, et cetera. Okay, fine. So the Giants are going to need a new quarterback. But at that point, whoever you bring in in the next year's draft class, et cetera, you still look at it and go, and we'd like to be as healthy and strong around that position as possible. $16 million in Mitch Trubisky this year, even if he could be some better version of, of, of what the $16 million represents, I guess, for the market here, 
in two years, would you just as soon have already had a couple of offensive linemen in place? And probably the the balancing act here for Joe Shane is whether or not it's a older 32, 33-year-old offensive lineman where you go, well, that's only a Band-Aid as well versus a guy at 26, 27 where you say he's going to be here for the next five years and maybe even a little bit beyond that. Then you're talking about real stability to position. So that's, that, that's actually a really good point to bring up when we talk about I may think Mitch Trubisky is the better short-term option for the Giants than Daniel Jones, but that's at a certain price. It's not at $16 million potentially. Real quick here as we round out, go ahead, and because I'm just pulling up a couple of what's gone on around the league. Noteworthy that the Rams are re-signing offensive tackle Joe Noteboom to a three-year deal worth up to $47.5 million. It's noteworthy because they have two other offensive linemen uh, that are going to be on the free agency market, and they are not a financially, uh, you know, fluid shall we say franchise right now they made a big investment on this player it means that these other two linemen are going to get to the market uh austin corbett being one of them and brian allen i believe being the other yeah well i, I was just thinking about the the mitch trubisky piece you and i were both interested in having mitch you know no has familiarity with you know brian dable's system would have been great joe shane was the one that you know wanted him to to come to buffalo but at the same time it we just price ourselves out and this, this is the, the challenge with being cash-strapped like the Giants are. We can't pay $15 million to have a quarterback compete with Daniel Jones. We just can't well, do that. And again, you know? again, that's the only difference here. If they're paying him $15, 16000000 million, he's not competing. He's your starting quarterback. That's the only difference here. Like, it, And you can you can like or not like that. If the Giants sign Mitch Trubisky for $15 million, he's your starting quarterback. Like that, That is period, end of sentence. This is not a competition right. if well, you pay him that money. Again, and then that brings up the question. Okay, so let's say you, that you sign Mitch. Right. Yeah, you, you sign Mitch, $15 million, he's the starter. Would you rather... Do you think the Giants have more wins with Mitch Trubisky over Daniel Jones? Like, yeah. do you think it's do. you think it's significant? You think it's one win, two wins? Like, how many wins do you think it is? Yeah, well, and that, see, now I, I can make the case that Mitch Trubisky could win you two games more than Daniel Jones in the upcoming season, and then it's just about though. Do you care about? And we talked about this with Saquon Barkley. Do we care about symbolic wins? Because keeping Saquon might get you the extra win next year, and you're in eight and nine. Let's you know eight and nine instead of being a six and 11 team, right? If you care about that visual, then some of these moves look a little bit different. If you don't, and you're making the longer term decision, then it really doesn't matter if Daniel Jones goes out there and falls on his face and you only win five or six games. The, the simple, yeah. And the, and the simple answer is look at what Denver's done. Look at what the saints yep. are doing. You want to, when you don't know who's going to be your quarterback, you just want to make the team as attractive as possible for really good quarterbacks to want to come play there. There's a reason why Russell Wilson was like, I don't want to go to Washington. I want to go to Denver. Denver sure. built up a roster that even giving up those assets still was awesome. You look at the, the Saints. When Drew Brees leaves, they're like, ah, do we go reach for somebody? All right, we'll, we'll, we'll do a reclamation project with Jameis Winston because we have a stacked roster. And they were going to make the playoffs, and they were going to be you know a force to be reckoned with until Jameis got hurt. The Giants need to follow that same path regardless of what you think of Daniel Jones. Build this roster up. Don't get lot. Don't push money down the road. We're not going to be the best team in the division next year. So let's start developing and getting more assets under management. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Left tackle uh, Jake Matthews agrees to a three-year big money extension with the Atlanta Falcons, so he'll be staying put there. You're already seeing some of these indications come out here around the free agency market. And again, not just that offensive line, but all these positions. I think the Giants are going to see how some of the market plays itself out, see where some of the price points come in on these guys. And, you know, the interesting thing for me with the Giants and Joe Shane is you have to do 
the delicate balance of how do we how do we let the bigger fish sign and see where those money where the where the numbers lay, but then not wait too long where all of a sudden you're down to some of the last available players and there is a bit of a frenzy for them, right? Where all the, take Daryl Williams as the example. What if nobody really gets to him and all of a sudden you're on the back end? There's only really two viable, three viable offensive linemen or guards that you want to bring in. And you end up looking at paying him six or seven million dollars when you say his true value is three or four million, right? So the Giants have to find the right moment to get these contracts in, maybe offer a little bit above market value, but do it before other teams, more desperate teams, are willing to give an extra amount of money that the Giants just do not have at all. Um, to that end, though, man, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We're already seeing offensive linemen come off the board here, some big defensive names. By the way, you mentioned the Saints just as a footnote here. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, some people, I would say foolhardy people threw it out on Twitter about, oh, now is this the time when the Giants will finally put their toe in the water? He's not going to be charged. The Saints are one of the teams that are in those discussions to maybe make a move for a uh, Deshaun Watson. Financially doesn't make sense. John Merrick came out and said, optically, it's not going to make sense for us. It's just not where we want to go here. But that's going to be another domino that falls here and creates other wrinkles off of the Saints. They were not a financially fluid team as well. So keeping an eye on these things and keeping an eye on some lower level names. We're going to come in next time and maybe I'll even do an extra one at some point today. If news comes, there's a handful of linebackers coming over from the Baltimore Ravens that are secondary linebackers in their system, but are younger and more viable. So the debate of, do you want veteran talent versus younger players that are maybe just about to crest and start to hit their stride coming in to join the system, as well as replacing a player like Evan Ingram (laughs) at the end of the day, Andy. Is there is there anything I don't know if it's poetic justice. I don't know if it's just if it's bizarro world that somehow former pro bowler Evan Ingram is now sitting in this darling of a scenario where it's two parts here. I, this is, I know is a weird way to close this out. Not only is he a hot commodity on the market, but somehow the market is also convincing itself that and maybe he will be that this is a guy they want to line up in the slot as well. Something that the Giants used him a lot in, but he also has these things we call bricks for hands. Like it's just it's so weird to me how he is being valued and the market at the tight end position. It's insane. Well, it's it's yeah, at the end of the day, Evan Ingram's going to going to get paid. Like the, the circumstances just swirled around to perfectly get him exactly what he needed. You you, you know, you look at look at David Njoku we had about the same amount of catches and receptions. He gets franchise tag. You yeah. look at Dalton Schultz. He gets franchise tag. All these like potentially really good tight ends all get franchised, which elevates Evan Ingram's value. But then also they're not on the market. And Evan Ingram is, is priority number one for all these teams that need tight ends. It's like bizarre world. But Adam, your boy, Pro Bowl Evan Ingram is definitely going to get paid this offseason. We'll come back in. We'll update it. We'll try to do as much early and often as we can as news breaks. Keep an eye on tight end Hayden Hurst off of the Atlanta Falcons. He was obviously usurped by one Kyle Pitts last year. Good blocking tight end. Obviously can catch a few passes for you as well. Could be a low-level replacement for one Evan Ingram that improves the offensive line on the end there. We'll be back in talking all things New York football giants. This was a live YouTube edition where you can follow, subscribe, obviously get the podcast where you get those needs fulfilled as well. And until next time, as the free agency just starts to bubble for the New York football giants, as Andy Makowitz wants, needs, and nay, demands the people know. As always, let's go big blue.